And now, O Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our strength and our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we don't hear your voice, O God, we ask you to speak to each of us then here in the quietness of our hearts. Amen. Today we continue our series on setting our minds on heavenly things. And it's appropriate that we went straight from a series about experiencing peace into a series on the mind because I'm guessing all of us need a little peace of mind these days. And in seeking peace of mind, it's not just about us feeling good as individuals, us feeling calm, us knowing that everything and trusting that everything is going to be okay. But having the mind of Christ, setting our mind on heavenly things, means that we are also tending to the minds and the peacemaking of others as well. Today we have only three verses of scripture, but we could easily talk for hours about each one. And what I want for us to focus on today as we've been talking about the mind is this phrase that comes up in verse 27, the mind of the spirit, the mind of the spirit. We often hear the scripture read from Philippians about us having the mind of Christ. We've heard in weeks past about in Romans about setting our, thing, our minds on things above and not things of the earth. But today we hear the Lord calling to us to inquire of the mind of the Spirit. Now in order to know what the mind of the Spirit is, we have to know who the Holy Spirit is, right? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, full, fully God, fully available and ready to meet our needs and relate to us. About a year ago, I did a worship series, or led a worship series, rather, on who the Holy Spirit is. And one of the things we see in the word Holy Spirit, which means, which the Greek word is paraclete, is that it means an advocate. It means a counselor, almost like a modern-day attorney in a courtroom for us. Now, the attorneys among us know that, that they speak a language that many of us who are not attorneys cannot speak, that they know a language and they speak a language that is there to represent us, that is there to speak for us. And that is what the Holy Spirit does for us. But it's not just law that the Spirit knows. The Spirit knows all things. The Spirit knows this word. The Spirit knows us intimately. And that paraclete, that advocate, is ever ready to speak for us, ever ready to teach us the things that we need to know. Friends, in the Holy Spirit, we've got something greater than the biggest dictionary. We've got something greater than even Google, if you can imagine. We have in the Holy Spirit a person who relates to us, a person who is God Almighty, a per someone who is like a person that is ever ready to give us what we need. And so when we hear in this verse about God searching our hearts and God knowing the mind of the Spirit and the same Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God, when we hear that, what God is saying to us is, I am, all, I am giving you all that you need. The only thing you need to do to access the mind of that Spirit is to build a relationship with that Spirit, to know that Spirit, to listen to that spirit, and it comes from spending time with God, and especially spending time in prayer. Now, 
I actually love today's title. I usually don't say I love the titles of my sermons because that sounds a little weird. But I love the title of today's sermon simply because it came straight from the scripture. Look with me again in verse 26. And it's something we can identify with. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought. Anybody anywhere who's watching right now. Ever thought to yourself, I don't know how to pray about this? Wherever you are, you can raise your hand if you want to and just let us and, and just confess to it. And I'll raise mine with you because we all at some point have probably been at that point where we just don't know what to say. We don't know what to say, even though we know God is listening. We don't know how to pray. And what Paul is saying to us here across the centuries is yeah, that's right. Sometimes you're not going to know how to pray. Sometimes we're not going to have the words. We're not going to have the knowledge because we can't see the whole picture. And that is where the Holy Spirit comes in. And I want to encourage us, though, as we think about how we should pray, how God calls us to pray. And throughout the scriptures, he gives us examples. Jesus gives us the most famous one of when you pray, this is what you will say. But we see half. But what we see here as well are a couple of things that we don't have to do when we pray, when we rely on that Holy Spirit. And two things that we often do when we pray is we beg and we try to explain to God. We beg, we begin saying, God, please do this. God, please do that. And hear me, friends, there is nothing wrong with that prayer. But God wants us to move into a deeper place of prayer with the Holy Spirit. We don't have to beg God. We don't have to beg God. We are children of God. We don't have to beg for what we want. God simply wants for us to ask. And also, this is something I'm guilty of very often. Sometimes we feel like we have to explain to God the background of the prayer request. And we have to tell God how good this person is that we're praying for. We want to tell God how we think God should intervene and move on this person's behalf. We think that we have to explain to God why we're bringing this request. Friends, let's just relax And let's just let go of that need to explain and let go of that tendency to beg. Because we have the presence of the Holy Spirit right here with us, ready and willing and able to do what it is that we ask even when we don't know what to ask. But as we build a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we do learn what to say. And sometimes the very best way to start a prayer that I think Paul would approve of is to say, you know what, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to say, but I know who you are. I don't know what to say, but I know who you are. And you, oh, Holy Spirit, are the one who can do the rest. when When Paul tells us here... That God wants for the Spirit to intercede for the saints according to the will of God. That the, in verse 26, the Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. It'd also be easy for us to say, well, I'm just not going to pray at all then if the Holy Spirit takes care of this. That's not what Paul is saying. What Paul is inviting us to is to pray and to intercede and to ask and to invite the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit works with us and in us and through us. And sometimes the first thing that we have to do to really experience that power, to see those prayers answered, to see the the Lord at work, is to begin by saying, Holy Spirit, I need you. I don't know what to say, but I know who you are, and I know what you can do. Praying in the Spirit by praying with the Spirit of God. When we are in doubt, when we have something facing us that we need to pray about, It's a lot easier to talk about something 
than it is to pray about something. Sometimes it is a lot easier to text somebody or to call somebody and uh, another human being. And don't get me wrong, we need that. We need each other. We need to intercede for each other. We need to bear one another's burdens. But it doesn't need to stop there. We don't just need to ask somebody else to pray for us. We need to do the praying as well. And it takes a little bit more effort sometimes to get on our knees instead of on, instead of moving on our feet or moving our fingers on the phone. But when we get on our knees, whether physically or spiritually, we encounter the presence of Almighty God. And what is it that is the result of this relationship that we build with the Holy Spirit? Verse 28 tells us so beautifully. We know that all things work together for good. Let's hear that again. We know that all things work together for good. Now, it'd be easy for us right now to look at that and say, well, all things but not COVID-19 work together for good. It'd be easy for us as human beings to say, well, Lord, you says all things, but what about the racial injustices that we're witnessing? Well, Lord, we know all things work together, but this is just taking so long and life is so different. No, 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 friends. Paul does not offer any commas with any exceptions to what he's saying here. All things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. That purpose being salvation. That purpose being relationship with God. That purpose being God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. It's really easy for us to take this well-beloved scripture... And reduce it to something that we post on our Facebook timeline or something that we cross-stitch and put on a wall. Perfectly fine to do that. I've posted that. And my grandmother, I think it was my grandmother, had this cross-stitched on her wall. I know I've seen it on people's walls before. There's nothing wrong with that. But we need to remember that what the scripture is saying to us is something far deeper than sentimental optimism. This statement reflects a deep and abiding hope. In who God is. Basically, we take, this, we take this scripture a lot of times and say, well, all things work together for good. And it's kind of like a shoulder shrug. It's kind of like, eh, everything will be okay. Everything's going to be all right. And that's good. But friends, as, bo- as the body of Christ and as believers, this scripture has a much deeper meaning for us. It's not just a shoulder shrug of everything will be okay, but it's a deep belly breath. It's a deep breath of God's hope and steadfastness and his faithfulness that lives and breathes inside of us. He is inv- God is inviting us today to hear the scripture in a new way and to take the time to realize that this is a deep and abiding hope that no virus, that no injustice can come against. But what the way we get to verse 28 is we have to pray through and live through and and relate to the Spirit as we learn through verses 26 and 27. That deep abiding hope comes from our prayer life. It comes from interacting with God Almighty. It comes from knowing the Holy Spirit. God doesn't want to just abide in our minds, friends. He wants to live in our hearts so that our minds can be transformed. God wants to so live in our hearts that our minds are transformed. We are so influenced by the presence of the Holy Spirit that we cannot help but be changed. So often we pray out of our head and not out of our heart. And the way that we pray out of our heart is by starting off by saying, Holy Spirit, this is about you. 
Lord, this is about you. Jesus, this is about you. We have to start not with our needs of what we need, but we must always start with declaring who God is. And he does impact our minds. He does transform our minds. He does make us new and make us whole. We have to open ourselves up to him, though. We have to humble ourselves, and we have to admit that sometimes we don't know how to pray. And in this earthly life, we may never know fully how to pray, but we still have to say the words. We still have to walk through walk through our prayers because the Holy Spirit is waiting. He is working. He is speaking. And we can listen and we can learn exactly from that. During the series, I'm trying to conclude the sermon each week with an invitation that will be posted on our social media accounts. And I encourage you, if you're not following those, to do so. And uh, last week, we had a beautiful response of thoughtfulness, where as we shared about those in our church who have died over the past few months, and there was a lovely outpouring of tributes and thoughts that were shared that reminded us of how God's thoughts toward us are many. And this week, I want to invite you to tune in every day to, social, to our social media pages. Try to get them posted by noon if technology uh, uh, cooperates each day. And every day, there's going, I'm going to ask a little bit more of you this time, though. We've, bought, we've had videos posted. We've invited you to share when, uh, when it's convenient for you. But I want to ask you to do a little more this week because God's inviting us into a deeper place of relationship with him. There's going to be daily a, a starter, a, a prayer start, rather, a way for you to start a prayer to God. And what I want to encourage you to do is to take that prayer start, set aside at least five minutes a day. You may say, preacher, I don't have five minutes in the day. Yes, you do. (laughs) You can set that alarm a little earlier. Stay up about five minutes later. It's something that, believe me, it takes time, it takes practice, but everybody can do it. Set aside that time. Hallow that time. When we say that God's name is hallowed in the Lord's Prayer, we also are asking, we also must ask of ourselves that we need to hallow some time to spend with him. Set aside time as holy. I invite you to take that prayer start and to set aside some time, take some deep breaths, take some deep, deep breaths, belly breaths, not just we breathe so often up in our throats, but take time to really, really breathe. And when we breathe deeply like that, we're inviting the presence of the Holy Spirit, who is the breath of life, into our hearts and into our lives. And then sit with that prayer start and add your prayer to it. Add your own words to it. You may want to write it down. You may want to record it on a voice memo. You may want to just say it quietly in your heart. But I want to encourage you daily to move into this place. Let us all move into this place, not worried about what we're saying or how we're saying it, but rather spending time with the one who can change us, who can and will change us. If you were to invite a guest over to your house and seat them in your house, and then just leave them there and walk away and start talking on your cell phone or cleaning the kitchen or doing something with your guests sitting there, we would consider that not the best of behavior, right? Well, we do the same thing so often with the Holy Spirit. We invite the Holy Spirit in, we ask him to have a seat, and then we get busy doing something else for the duration of that visit. And friends, this is the great thing. The Holy Spirit is always there and ever ready and willing Let's treat the Holy Spirit like the guest, the honored, divine guest that he is. Spend some time, hallow times of the day, 
to, look, to pray and to speak with the Holy Spirit. And we will be transformed. We will be changed. We will see and experience that deep abiding hope that all things work together for good. Let us be willing to live by the Spirit, to listen to the Spirit, and to speak as the Spirit gives us utterance. For He is the one who is worthy. He is the one who is holy, and He is the one who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ask or think. And to Him belongs all the glory with the Father and the Son, blessed three in one, now and forever.